Hey everyone, it's Pineapple. Just a quick note before we start the episode, this episode contains some not-so-nice four-letter words in it. We've bleeped them out, so if you hear this sound, that means it was bleeped. In the context of the sentences, it may be obvious what was said, so if you have kids, you may want to listen to this episode without them. Enjoy the show! Welcome back, everyone, to Wholesome Transmissions. So we're back um, with another episode now and continuing on with uh, season two of our show that we've titled Therapy Sessions. Um, kind of doing this season about exploring failures or regrets or exploring the difficult periods in life um, and kind of how to get through that. And uh, given what's going, been going on in the world, um, this is a, a really good time for this. Uh, so recording this on March 14th, um, which has a lot of significance right now, given the COVID-19 um, outbreak that we've been experiencing throughout the world. So, so listeners know. Um, but yeah, the, the hope for this season is to just try to find, um, the, you know, explore our guests and our failures that we've had and past that. And then Today we are um, we are joined by Excoundrel. So Excoundrel is a professional esport caster. He's also a competitive video game player um, for games like League of Legends and Auto Chess. Um, I know he's also played uh, Vainglory as well. He is a, a former doctor, um, and he's basically a self-proclaimed um, mobile game enthusiast. On his YouTube channel, he plays a lot of Auto Chess, from what I've seen, um, and he has casted a lot of several notable tournaments, including the European. Masters, Bridge of Champions for League of Legends in recent years. Um, he's done a lot of auto chess videos, and he's a really friendly guy that we've been introduced um, through one of our previous guests, Defer, who put us in contact with him, and we're really thankful for him doing that. And we're thrilled to have you. So, Excoundrel, um, thank you so much for coming on our show. We really appreciate it. Hey, no, thank you so much for having me. I know it was a, a hassle to wrangle me in. I'm literally <laughs> one of the worst organizational beings in no. existence. I usually, literally use my wife for my, my personal diary. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think, uh, I think it's nice to be here. I'm glad to be talking about the things you mentioned. Like you said, COVID-19 is massively impacting my life at the moment. And yeah, yeah it'd be good to, good to chat it through. Absolutely. Yeah. And thank you again. Yeah. Not a problem with the scheduling. We are used to it it's fine people you know life gets crazy especially as uh, you grow into adulthood and i know that you have a kid as well which i can't imagine um the the kind of difficulty that's been on top of work so yeah not not a problem and i guess diving right into the, our first half um we kind of wanted to talk about you know what's going on in the world right now with covid 19 and i was just curious given um given you being in the uk as well as a caster for a lot of tournaments where a lot of people gather. Um, so what has the impact been on you now during the, during the last couple of weeks? 
Yeah, really interesting because I'm coming from a UK perspective. Um, yeah. And if anyone's kept up with the news in March, they'll know that UK has taken a very novel approach to dealing with the outbreak uh, in the sense that it's completely different to pretty much every other country and also going against WHO guidelines in, in how to deal with the, the epidemic. So there's a lot of, uh, I guess apprehension in the UK about what's going to happen to our NHS. You know, we, we run a completely free at the point of care health service over here, um, which means that obviously there is widely available access. We have one of the lowest intensive care unit beds per, per 100,000 people out of most European countries. Um, so it, we, we're, a lot of us are worried about how this plan is going to roll out. And for those of you that are unaware, essentially we've taken a reverse strategy. We are not, we're not going to be locking down anything. Um, and we're going to be ramping up lockdown measures and we're trying to flatten the peak of the infection. Mm-hmm. Uh, this, I could go into massive detail about what the theory is behind this, but essentially they're, they're relying on building herd immunity slowly throughout the entire country. They're accepting that people are going to die, but they're essentially saying, we don't want to overload the NHS in one go. We're going to try and overload it. You'll try and get people in and out sequentially throughout the the course of the next few months. But yeah, I mean, again, in the UK, it's obviously uh, there's a lot of sort of um, worry right now. My wife is in tatters because she's a dentist and she's very worried yeah. about her having the the the. The, the sort of the conduit to pass on this this virus to multiple people who are, who are at risk. So there's a lot of people that are worried, but actually there is an overwhelming situation. I guess an overwhelming view in the UK that, I mean, most people that I talk to in, in, who are not kind of, I would say, the kind of person that would go out and educate themselves about COVID nineteen, they just think it's just a flu. What's there to worry about? So there's a massive lack of, um, yeah, I guess yeah. informational material right now, which is crazy. So yeah, I'm I'm worried because the public are not taking it seriously, but I'm also worried because our government has done something that is basically completely different to the rest of the world. So, you know, there's a little bit of internal panic there. Um, Absolutely, yeah, I, I agree. I, I mean, I I did watch, um, and we will post uh, probably a link to this in the description because it's kind of what we're talking about on the episode. But I did see your your video that you said about COVID nineteen and talking about the impact in the UK, and I, and I I personally think it does make some sense because. It's sort of like, yeah, we've accepted the fact that a lot, a lot of the population is probably going to get the disease. And I think that the the thing that's, I guess, a positive note, if anything, is the fact that um, if the treatment options, if the ICU beds, if the hospitals have the capacity to treat people, there's a good likelihood that we can beat the disease for most people. And then uh, we have people that are immune to the disease. So I think that makes sense is that if you, if you completely try to cut off everything so that no one gets it and that no one has immunity, then the second you lift the travel ban, the second people start coming into the country, it's going to spread like wildfire again. So you want to try mm. to, like you said, flatten the peak and stop people from getting it all at once to the point where the healthcare system is overloaded. And if, if you can prevent that, then I think that there's a, a good chance any country or area should be able to, to hopefully minimize the, the destruction of the disease. And yeah, I mean, the, the, the interesting thing about that that viewpoint is that by the time this episode's out, we'll have figured out whether it's worked or not. <laughs> when, when it, I'm sure we, we can all listen back to this in, in, in about this time and say, well, the UK done fucked up. Or we'll say, oh, wow, that was a good strategy. Well done, yeah. UK. Uh, that's going to be the, the funny thing yeah. about the timing of this episode. Exactly. I was also thinking about that. This is a post-podcast interruption that because i think we'll probably be releasing this like early june but it was several months away down that cold road and or you know somewhere around there so it's gonna be like yeah looking back a couple months let's see how that happened 
but alas, it did not happen. Yeah, yeah I mean, the sad I, thing is that I'm laughing about it, but if they do screw this up, it's going to mean a lot of lives that are lost, and that's that's really sad to think about. Um, I know. But I just, I find, I guess, I find the, the timing of the the episode, with the strategy just being released a couple of days ago, fairly comical in that sense. It, but the reality is. of it is quite grave. The, you know, the know. reality of it is really quite grave. Yeah. Um, but you know, we just got to hope that they, they, they are riding off assumptions. They're riding off that herd immunity works. They're riding off that if you get infected, you can build an immunity off first time. And there is actually some emerging evidence to say that people are getting reinfected with COVID-19 uh-huh. or at least mutated strains. So that's already putting some spanners in the works for the UK, yeah. uh, for the, for the UK strategy. But. I mean, obviously, I don't want to spend the entire episode talking about the the, the UK government's response to COVID nineteen. Um, no. In terms of my work, my work, um, yeah, I've had three months worth of gigs cancelled. I've probably lost close to fifteen to twenty thousand dollars worth of income. Um, yeah. uh, luckily, I have savings. Luckily, my wife is a dentist. Luckily, we've both been very clever about how we we save our money. Um, yes, yeah. So I'm not I'm not going to be in a situation where I'm starving. I have enough money to last myself for the rest of the year if I couldn't work for the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, which is very lucky because you know we, we kind of prepared for that. Um, I'm also incredibly lucky that I come off come from a fairly well off family, so if mm-hmm. I ever needed the help, that I would have that help. But like I, I understand that not a lot of people, especially in my industry, are, are going to be that lucky. You know, there's yeah. a lot of people that in my industry that I know they are working paycheck to paycheck. They are working from event to event to, to pay their rents. I just I just had to lend, or well, I did lend my friend some money because he wasn't paid by his his gigs and he's had some stuff cancelled um, to, to pay for his rent. You know, it's it's it's, it's one of those yeah. things where you know it's it's a really tough time for a lot of people in my industry um but yeah i've lost a, i've lost a lot of gigs from this i'm very lucky in the sense that i can do it from home if i need to if, if the mm-hmm. option is there um yeah. my, my audio quality because i built myself a studio at home is quite good so you know yeah. i've got like a, i've got a pretty solid way to, to, to do this from home but i also have my youtube channel so i still have a yeah, something to do yeah. like i'm not gonna be, I'm, I'm not gonna be completely i guess out restless of yeah. yeah 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 exactly i was thinking about that for you you, you scoundrel gaming youtube channel that you can go to but so have has there been i'm like are you seeing as a as a caster yourself that the people are moving tournaments online or that that is a possibility for the future given probably you know i know that some estimations of how long this may last for social isolation or canceling events maybe a couple months but you know in my opinion maybe being a pessimist i could see this going until the end of the year so um so are you seeing like do you think that people People may start moving tournaments and things for either auto chess, obviously, or games that you you commentate specifically or in the industry as a whole moving online for things. There'll be some events that do and some events that don't. It really depends on what um, it re- I guess it really depends on what the, the tournament organizers and the developers want. Um, mm-hmm. Things like the LEC for League of Legends and the LCS, they'll want to try and retain studio broadcasts because they just can't like they can't run that kind of thing online it's just it's just not the kind of level of production quality they want because when you move something online you naturally lose production quality you naturally lose um the studio look and the studio feel and that's that's just something that is for some um event organizers and for some developers who want uh, a significant sway in their league that's not that's Mm -hmm. not what they want so so a lot of you're seeing a lot of events being postponed rather than moved to online because they would rather wait for a time when they could actually run it in a situation that they want to to get the production quality that they want to but there are some events that are moving online for instance i'm casting for dreamhack right now i'm casting just a couple of the european regional leagues the nordics and the uk regional leagues for league of legends they've cancelled their finals and have moved them online so we will be commentating those online which is great because i now have 
have the option to make the same money from home. Um, but there are events like the European Masters, which may be cancelled entirely. Um, and there are events that I was supposed to do to be there in person where they've just said we're postponing for, you know, indefinitely because it's not something that they had planned or even structured to run in an online format. Exactly. Yeah, that's the, that's the thing. I mean, I was certainly thinking that myself as there are several tournaments that moving online is just almost completely unfeasible. And especially with games where you maybe uh, to have a fair tournament, you want minimal latency. You know, having stuff online is not going to be an option in a lot of cases. And um, I hope that because, again, I think that we think about the impact that, that COVID-19 will not have not only on people's lives, but also work related like the gaming industry and especially the competitive gaming. It's going to be so crazy to see how many people are going to be hurting financially because they're living paycheck to paycheck mm. and just the 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 um the lasting impact of something like this on um the industry and it, it's going to be tough and it's gonna hurt a lot of people unfortunately <laughs> I, I completely agree. And I don't even think it's just going to be limited to our industry. I think we're going to see an unbelievable economic downturn as a result of COVID-19. Yeah, yeah. I think we're going to see the likes of, uh, of which we've probably not, never seen in our generation. I think it's going to be mm-hmm. a very tough for multiple industries. I don't think it's just ours that is going to hurt. I think sporting industries, I think, you know, um, the whole host of, 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 sort of like surplus to requirement industries are going to take a massive hit. Um, yeah. right. it's, 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 it's actually fairly bleak when you look at it from the outset. Uh, I guess we just have to sort of band together hope our governments uh, are prepared to to pick up the slack and um, mm-hmm. and hope we can hope we can manage Actually, yeah, um, just to touch on that a little bit, even for like the manufacturing side of things, I'm a service technician by trade and they're not even letting us in the buildings uh, that we go to now because they're trying to cut back on restrictions. So I know for a lot of contractors out there, they're going to be out of work Yeah, um, just because people are just like, nope, not coming in. That's it. Yeah, I, I mean, my dad is um, my dad works for Campari. If you if you don't know who Campari are, they are an Italian um, drinks uh, company. They own Aperol and okay. and Campari and stuff like that. So you know, Aperol's become a fairly popular. Uh, alcoholic beverage over the last mm-hmm. two years or so well obviously they're based in milan you know that northern italy is one of the worst affected areas yeah um, they are still allowed to they are still allowed to run their their production they're still allowed to have factory workers but they have seen a ridiculous drop in sales because of the fact that uh it's, italy has closed all bars and pubs and stuff like that beyond 6 p.m so they're, just, they're not selling wow. any they're not selling any Aperol in the evenings to the Italian population. Um, so, you know, that's, it's really impacted their business, you know, and it comes down to private businesses, what they want to do with it. But, you know, Campari are paying their, their, their factory workers um, full-time wages, despite saying you only have to work half shifts now. So they've actually, they've halved, they've halved their production, but they're paying full-time wages and they donated 1 million euros to, uh, to buy in, intensive care equipment for the Italian hospitals. So, you know, Campari is doing it right, but not every company is going to be that way. And that's, uh, you know, that's the the truth of it, I suppose. Yeah, wow, exactly. that's uh, that's amazing. <laughs> that yeah, is. yeah, I know.
It's, uh, I guess it's, it's Italy are very kind of like um, Italian companies, especially they're very kind of like uh, family first. We look after our, you mm-hmm. know, we look after our, our, our workers. We look after them like they're, like they're our families. So that mentality shines through in a lot of Italian companies, but you compare that to some British and American companies, I, 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 you would never get that kind of treatment. No, no, yeah, no kidding. Not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're, we're really feeling it over here. No. Yeah. And I mean, especially for white collar workers, like we're going to like I'm working from home now until at least the end of the month, probably longer than that now. So you're seeing a, a huge shift on um, the side of analysts like myself or other positions that could be doing remotely. Um, it's it's odd. You know, we, we just uh, had we just recorded before this defer. We had an episode talking about like loneliness, that people isolating more and um yeah, it's it's like it's so bizarre because even if as a as a as a global force we we take care of COVID nineteen this year and we're able to put it you know to where it doesn't impact um, people that much or the outbreaks are small whatever um, the economic and the, the fact that our lives now are pretty much forever changed is quite terrifying and it's, it's you know it's going to be it's going to be a whole different. World a couple of years from what it is. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I think, um, I, I guess we just have to ride it out together, see what happens and, uh, yeah, and let's hope for the best. By yeah. the time this episode comes out, a lot of people will have some insight into where we are because <laughs> yeah. uh, the, uh, the, the viral, the viral <laughs> pandemic uh, peak is expected within 14 to 16 weeks. And that's, that's exactly. around June, July time. So yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, I guess, I guess going forward on a, a bit of a lighter note, then we'll, we'll go away from the COVID and again, um, hopeful things. I know that you mentioned to me before we recorded that you were, um, exploring some more games recently, um, for your, for your YouTube channel and what you do. So, so what have you been up to in terms of like exploring different video games or different, um, areas, um, in the esports world? Yeah, I mean, so I started in League of Legends um, and I was moderately successful. I got an offer to work for Riot Games about four years ago, but I was still in medical school. No, five years ago now, actually. I was still in medical school, so I decided to turn it down. Um, and then they never decided, they never threw me an offer again. Basically, once you say no to Riot, you very, you very rarely get your way back in. <laughs> yeah. um, so, you know, I, I continue to do freelance stuff. The problem with freelancing in League of Legends is that, you know, you are limited to what you can do. Uh, the main leagues where the main income is made is all controlled by Riot Games. And so, therefore, if you're not working for Riot, you are basically picking up the scraps of what anyone else can actually, you know, afford to put on without Riot's permission. So mm-hmm. it's, um, it's not a good industry. It's not a good game to freelance in, to be honest with you. Uh, or, you know, it's just because... You, I, I, I had the opportunity to host the LEC last year. I hosted two weeks of the LEC, which was great. Um, probably the, the highlight of my entire career. I did that last July. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was the first time I'd managed to get to the highest level of league, despite you know having worked there for five years as a freelancer. So it's, it, I realized very quickly that freelancing was never going to be League of Legends only. So I needed to find other games that I was passionate about and other games that I could commentate in as well, you know, mm-hmm. it just sort of performed to the level that I could in League of Legends. And so I just explored as many games as possible. And, uh, you know, I, I, over the last year, I found success in auto chess, PUBG mobile. Um, and I kind of sort of with Vainglory as well as being, you know, being in, yeah. in part of Vainglory for years, I kind of found myself as a mobile game um, specialist. So I've kind of been trying to be inv- involved in as much the, um, as much of the emerging mobile esports as physically possible, because I know mm-hmm. that that's going to be an area that eventually will find success in the West. It hasn't yet found widespread success in the West, but it eventually will yeah. find success in the West. Uh, you know, it's a matter of time, just exactly. finding the right game and the right time. But yeah. um, 
yeah, I just realized very quickly that I had to I had to diversify if I wanted to succeed as a freelance commentator in the world of esports. Um, if you weren't going to make it big in a single game, you had to make it middle in lots of games, and that's kind of what I've been doing. Yeah. So, and I, I completely agree with that. I think, and I think that mobile esports is only going to keep growing, um, especially if if uh, if things are going as we've seen now um, with isolation or, or I think mobile gaming as a whole, regardless of what happens with COVID-19, mobile gaming is taking off so much compared to, to console games. Um, I mean, like the, I think people are now seeing the value in producing high quality tournaments for these games and the quality of mobile games themselves. And what you see is like, I mean, some of them look like they're AAA games now. I mean, it's crazy what you can get on your phone. It's, it's absolutely yeah, mind boggling. It is. Yeah. It's, um, it's only getting better and better. I know. Yeah. So as a, as a mobile game enthusiast then, right now, what are some like, I know you, you venture more on the side of games you can play competitively, but what are some mobile games that you've seen that you think really are, are different than the rest or do something so interesting or compelling um, that, that have really impressed you? Um, so, so I, I, as you said, I, I mainly venture into competitive mobile games. Um, mm-hmm. so I, you know, if you like auto battlers, auto chess and TFT, uh, are games that are going to be coming up or TFT beta is going to be rolling out pretty soon for mobile. Uh, auto chess has been obviously going for the last year. I'm obviously a big, a big proponent of the, the auto battler genre in general. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Brawl Stars is an incredibly good yes. casual competitive yes. game. I think if you're really not into gaming, like it's one of the games that if I if I sat my wife down, she's not a gamer, but I could probably get her to play Brawl Stars with me because it's it's very simple and 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 really uh sort of new player friendly. Absolutely. Um I think there are a couple of good single player games that I'm playing on phone right now. One of them is called Grand Mountain. Um okay. I, if if you've never if you've never tried it, it's a skiing kind of uh open world skiing simulator oh, uh but okay. it's it kind of allows you to just sort of explore this really beautiful mountain terrain but the graphics for you know for a mobile game is beautiful it's it's just such a wonderful game to play um okay. i'm playing rebel inc which is uh kind of topical because it's created by the the creator of plague inc if you <laughs> yeah. guys want to play games yeah yeah um, that is a very topical right now game. But they created something called Rebel Inc., which is essentially you have okay. to manage um, you have to manage a, a kind of an insurgency government in like a I guess they're mostly themed around Middle Eastern des- you know deserty terrain type stuff. But it's 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 a really really cool uh, game about sort of I mean, more, more like community management and dealing with insurgency and and trying to create a stable government in the same way that Plague Inc. was, but on a smaller scale. Yeah. Um, if you're looking for space RPGs, there's a game called Star Traders Frontiers, which is just absolutely incredible. I'd 100% recommend that. Um, I'm playing a game called Cultist Simulator, which is just the most ridiculous. I, mean, it's my, I, don't even, I still don't have any clue how to play that game, but I'm still playing it. It's, like a, it's kind of like an interactive card game with like loads of different scenarios, but it's very punishing with no instructions. So you kind of have yeah. to figure it out as you go. And of course, Stardew Valley on my mobile phone, which is yeah. great. I'm, I'm spam Stardew Valley right now. So but it's kind of the games that I've got on my mobile um that i play right now but yeah there's plenty of good games coming out this year the two big games that i'm really looking forward to is um league of legends wild rift which is the league of legends mobile version which is i've played the i've played the beta um mm-hmm. i got a chance to play it at the league of legends 10 year anniversary last november they haven't released the beta anywhere else other than china i believe right now but yeah, i've played it and i loved it it's, it's very smooth very much looking forward to the release of that game nice. um and and then obviously there's there's legends of rune terror releasing soon and also tft so yeah i'm looking forward to all of the riot mobile releases this okay. year i think they're going to be good nice yeah um I, I know radio myself we've talked about this before but as as, as adults and having a lot of responsibilities not having a lot of free time mobile gaming is certainly 
like a very compelling option for several people. And that's probably why the industry is so huge now, because you can pick it up and play it for 10 minutes, whatever, and actually get something out of it compared to a lot of console games. Um, but I know radio myself, we personally, we love Dragalia uh, Lost. Um, I don't know if you've heard of that game. It's Nintendo's mobile um, RPG, but it is, it's probably, I mean, it's not a competitive game. It's mostly single player or co-op, but um, the graphics are absolutely fantastic. And it is something that uh, is nice to have in your pocket, you know, when you, when you're out and about. I, I'll, I'll have to check it out. It sounds good. I'll have, a, I'll have a look at it today. Actually. I'm, I'm very much like you. I have a baby now. And so mm-hmm. like, obviously now that I'm working from home, I have more time to play on my PC, but yeah. Like when I have to look after Rupert when he's at home and not at childcare. So we only have childcare two days a week. So three days a week, I'm basically looking after him full time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I can't sit on my PC and play because he needs <laughs> yeah. the attention. So I, I need to be in the room with him. And when I, when he's in his playpen playing nicely without me, then I can be on my on my phone playing a couple mm-hmm. of games here and there, you know? Yeah, yeah. So we found Dragalia to be quite a fun experience because it plays like a top down, almost like Diablo style um like action RPG and um, it's a very forgiving like the gotcha system and it is a gotcha game but a system super forgiving um, it's just a lot of fun to have have it in your pocket for something to do there's there's uh, co-op battles like raids and stuff and um, a lot of uh, enjoyment out of that I've been playing it since they came out um, back in I think it's oh, 2018 so it's been like a year and a half almost wow. um, playing that yeah, yeah it's been a, been a lot of fun um, I'm kind of the type of person like my friends will say this I play one game and that's it it. like i just i stick with it for a very long time um so yeah it's it's great and then so i know i, I was curious i want to talk about how has um raising a child been for you because obviously uh i know that that has probably changed your entire life and um just so what how has that impacted like how you do work and and what if like how old is your son one and then how how's the experience been yeah, so Rupert turned one last month. Uh, oh. He was he was his first birthday was the twenty third of February, so oh. he's about thirteen months now, coming up on thirteen months. Um, yeah, it's 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 very interesting. I wouldn't say like, apart from the way that my routine works and the way that I I, I live my life on a day to day basis, it hasn't been like a like a spiritual life changing experience for me. I think a lot of people was like kind of over egg how how life changing mm-hmm. I guess on a personal level having a baby could be because I feel like I'm very much the same person. But the yeah. way I live my life has changed massively. Um, I very rarely go to bed past 12 p.m. anymore. You know, sort of you know 12 a.m. rather. You know, I, I very rarely go to bed past midnight. Um, if I go to bed past, past midnight, I'm paying for it the next day. So my entire my entire uh, sort of sleep schedule has shifted from classic gamer staying up until the early a.m. waking up late to now I'm going to bed at mostly 10 to 11 at night waking up at well when he, he wakes up in the night sometimes at about four or five and then goes back to sleep for a bit but yeah I, I wake up in, in the night and deal with the night field and feed and I'm up at seven most of the time 7 30 to yeah. mm-hmm. uh, and, and even earlier if he decides that's when he wants to wake up so you know I, it's, it's just basically kicked me into what I felt what I've always felt was just like an in inverted commas adult routine um mm-hmm. i've I just uh, having a baby just kind of kicked me into that and also it just is kind of changed the way i make life decisions there's you know the life decisions are no longer mostly about me and my wife there's so many extra facets that we have to consider when making like you know um and kind of like general life decisions yeah uh, and, and and when it comes to taking events like i have to be a little bit more selective these days obviously covid has massively helped me out thanks covid uh, <laughs> but, in ge- but in general it's it's been like you know if there's long form events i have to judge that i'm going to be away from home for a long time is that exactly. is that fair for my wife do i want to spend that far that's that, that time time away from my, my son during his first year of life and mm-hmm. so yeah there was there was definitely a lot of um 
change your uh, priorities. Definitely a lot of, um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I would I would take events that maybe wouldn't pay as well, or I, I, I so I wouldn't take events that wouldn't maybe wouldn't pay as well, or I'd be more selective in what I chose to do and that kind of stuff. So, yeah, it's it's been it's been wild. It's been kind of uh, life changing in terms of my scheduling and the way I kind of deal with my day-to-day life but i still feel like i'm very much the same person yeah. i just had this this wonderful little man in my life that, oh. that that i didn't know i could love something you know as much as i love as, as, as much as i love my little man so it's uh, yeah it's crazy well that's well that's that's great to hear and happy belated birthday to your son um that i mean that's that's crazy i i wasn't sure exactly how old he was um but i'm glad to hear that things are going well and yeah i i kind of agree I, i've seen that um obviously uh neither radio or myself have children um my wife and i definitely plan on having uh, children down the road and with with my my friends that have and um, my siblings that have it, it is sort of you don't necessarily see a completely new person you see someone who is more it, you're think you're not you're no longer focused on yourself basically like you're no longer the center of your universe your child is, and it changes how you make every decision uh, uh, yeah absolutely it's, yeah. it's also one of the things that I, I i catch myself watching him and it's crazy just like the you watch them learn and their little their little gears in their head are turning as those neurons make the connections and it's just crazy mm-hmm. to just watch him figure things out and you think wow this is this is this is ridiculous like the sort yeah. of what they're they're capable of you know I'll, I'll do something and he'll copy me and he'll be like oh that's fun and you know it, it's just uh, it's just it's it's mind-blowing it's it really is one of my uh one of the best experiences i've had, ever had in my life and if you are thinking about children and it's you i you need to savor every moment especially that first two years it's just uh there's so many crazy kind of like things you never would have picked up on if you didn't have children before i guess you know it's it's definitely very amazing Awesome. Well, hey, we're. I'm glad to hear that because I uh, definitely am planning on doing that. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, um, I I appreciate that you know you sharing on that, and um, I think, well, I guess on, on that note, we're gonna take a short little uh, break, and we will come back to the second half of the show, which is gonna focus uh, less on COVID and more on um, esports and sort of how you got into video games and kind of talk about what we try to do on our show talk about mentality and mental health a bit so we will be back shortly Welcome back, everyone, to our second half of the episode. We are here with Excoundrel 
friend from the UK. And um, I guess, you know, really starting out with our second half, we wanted to talk about how you got into commentating and casting. And I think, because I know you uh, you went through medical school and I'm just really curious, what, so how exactly did you get into it? Yeah, it's an interesting story. I've, I've always been a gamer. Um, I've been gaming ever since I was, I think my first solo gaming experience, you know, outside of just playing at Nintendo 64 and stuff when I was a kid. But when I, my first PC game was Diablo 2. Okay. Um, alongside Medal of Honor Allied Assault. So I just, uh, I, I kind of always been very passionate about gaming in general. My dad, I used to watch my dad playing the old uh, Lara Croft Tomb Raider games. Um, okay. And we just, nice. me and my brother would just, me and my brother would just sit there and watch him play in his office. And <laughs> so it kind of, it kind of like spurred a, a really big interest in gaming in general from a very young age. And um, yeah, and then I got to university and I was obviously being, I've been gaming my entire life. I played like oodles of World of Warcraft. My entire teenage years were spent having no girlfriend and playing World of Warcraft. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I, I played, I played a, a ridiculous amount of, uh, of, of games going into university and I continued that throughout university as well I played World of Warcraft for a long time and then when League of Legends came out I got into League of Legends at university and then uh, it very rapidly took off as a competitive game Mm-hmm. And then a organization called the National University Esports League opened up, and essentially they would be running a set varsity like events between uh, universities where they'd get university teams to play League of Legends against each other. Um, and before that, I was a competitive League of Legends player, so I started competing in these events and playing with my U- university, Sheffield. Um, I'd been to a couple of events in the UK, I was one of the better players in the UK, um, and I kind of been sort of taking the game very seriously. And then I very quickly realized I was quickly becoming not one of the better players in the UK. Once both of us started playing League of Legends, I realized I wasn't that good. And then, okay. uh, you know, I realized I couldn't keep up with the high level competitive scene that was developing. I thought, well, why don't we give talking about the game a go? Because I, I, I knew mm-hmm. the game quite well. And I, I, I kind of had uh, I, I developed a very uh, sort of solid knowledge base of the game at that point. And so, yeah, I, I basically then became um, involved in commentating university varsity games. And I did it for free. Um, there was no. There was no payback then. You just kind of did it for the, the pure passion of being involved in in the University Varsity series and stuff like that, and being involved in League of Legends com- uh, competitively. And yeah, yeah. And so yeah. basically just uh, just worked from there. Yeah, I, I mean, radio myself um, being from the arms community for the Switch, we are very familiar with uh, doing it just for the passion of the game. <laughs> and and I think that's kind of the, the some of the best feelings though is being a part of a community where um, perhaps there isn't ar- ulterior motives, it's just that drive either the competitive nature or seeing the scene develop that's, that brings you a lot of joy and it's genuinely um, uh, exciting to see that. So then, um, so you going into university, so then going into medical school, how did that kind of ha- like how did that go because now you're you're back sort of doing like commentary um work so what happened with with being a doctor and and going from there yeah i mean so medical school works a bit differently in the uk than it does in the us in the sense that okay. it is an under, it's an undergraduate degree so i started oh, medical school. Okay. yeah so i started medical school at 18 so i was i uh, i finished at 23 okay um so i started commentary about 2021 mm-hmm. um and so I was doing it part time throughout medical school, and then I decided that I would, would reject the uh, the offer from Raya, and I'd try to finish medical school instead. 
I mm-hmm. did it that way. And then as soon as medical school ended, I wasn't particularly interested in being a doctor. I'd kind of figured that out halfway through medical school in the first place. Um, I applied to medical school when I was 16. I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life at 16. <laughs> exactly. I was just very good at science and very good at maths. And so my, my school were like, oh, you know, you should consider being a doctor. Um, I wouldn't say that I was coerced into doing it, but I wasn't given, I wasn't really presented with many other viable pathways. Um, and I hadn't really got any idea of what, what, what I wanted to do regardless. So yeah, did did medic did medicine and decided that about halfway through that I wasn't really cut out to be a doctor. It just wasn't really for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I finished, I was very lucky to get a full time contract or, or basically a, a very very good role with the Vainglory esports program. Which you know, looking back on it now, obviously was doomed to, to fail. But it was a, a good place for me to start finding for a full time income, um, mm-hmm. commentating even if it wasn't League of Legends, which is what I wanted to do. Vainglory was a MOBA at the end of the day, so I had some transferable knowledge. And then I quickly, very quickly, became a, a pillar of the the Vainglory esports scene. So. Yeah, basically left university, didn't want to be a doctor, luckily <laughs> lined up with the timing from Vainglory and that was it. Yeah. So, and then I guess my next question would be as a, as a freelancer, what, what have been the biggest struggles for you to have to overcome? I mean, I'm, I'm obviously sure the lack of stable income is one of them, but what have been some of the personal struggles you've had dealing with like going from job to job or trying to find work? So... <laughs> Well, as a freelancer, it's 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 all about building a brand, and especially when you're a, a, a multi-game caster, you can't. It's very difficult to build a brand within a specific game, so you have to build a brand around a little bit like an influencer would. You're trying to to try mm-hmm. to build something that you've got a following, or trying to build a reputation for being someone that is particularly good at, at, at navigating multiple games, and that's essentially what I've been trying to do. Like most of my, my the reason I started my YouTube channel in the first place was to give me some extra kick to my brand because I was never going to get the Twitter following of the full-time League of Legends Riot casters because, you know, I just don't get that kind of interaction. So I, I was like, well, yeah. how do I go about finding building a, a community that is independent of social media? Uh, and that's why I decided to start the YouTube channel. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I've, I've built up to, what, 64,000 subscribers, which, you know, for coming on three years, 20,000 subscribers a year, it's not bad. I mean, uh, most people never yeah. get to that point. So I, I, I'm, I'm pretty proud, uh, but I would like it to be bigger, of course. I'd like to, like to keep going and like to, um, I'd like to sort of try and make that potentially the, the thing that I start to do full time, you know, rather more than anything else in the future. But, you know, it's going to take some work and take a lot of dedication and grindstone and, uh, and, and and I guess a little bit of a pinch of luck as well. So yeah, I, that's that was the the issues that I faced. It's just that it's it's very difficult as someone who's not working in one specific game to get recognised as a viable option for other games. And so mm-hmm. it's all about selecting the right game, creating content for it, showing that you're dedicated. And even then, it doesn't always work out. Um, but I've managed to make it work so far, so that's fine. Yeah, I mean, you definitely have. I mean, you're, uh, you you seem to have a, a good following and the content that you produce is, is very high quality. And I think that a lot of people enjoy the either the, the battle videos you do, tutorials. Um, you put out a lot of fantastic information for people to have at their fingertips for the game. And I know that you've mentioned that you're you know looking for some other games to go into. Um, I think that will be very fascinating to see, you know, creating content for either stuff that's... Um, newer to the scene or in the case of mobile games that are coming out completely new stuff that you you can kind of be a forerunner um, with which is great experience yeah i mean my my strategy this year is to probably run into tft when tft mobile comes out 
Um, mm-hmm. And then I'm essentially when Wild Rift gets to the point where it's releasing, that is going to be my 100% nose to the floor, um, creating <laughs> as much educational Wild, Wild Rift content as physically possible because that game will blow up. That game will be huge. Um, so I think that's going to be my my mainstay strategy this year. Auto chess into TFT, and then and then when Wild Rift is out, that is it. 100% nose to the floor, grinding the uh, grinding the crap out of that game. <laughs> Yeah, well, I'm I'm looking forward to that for you. Then uh, that'll be that'll be a good experience, um, I'm sure. And then I think, I guess, going into sort of the last topic we typically have on the show, which is um, mentality and mental health, um, and also like exploring that. So, from your time as an esports commentator and caster. Um, I guess one of the questions I, I was curious to poke your brain with is what do you think it's overlooked when it comes to having a competitive career and maintaining um, any you know length of time in the medium to long term rather than the short term? Because I think that a lot of what I've talked to people about is like we're so focused on the next tournament or what's right in front of you and you've clearly been in the game for quite some time now with league of legends and vainglory um and i'm curious to see what what you think how you maintain that not just in what tournament by tournament it's, it's a really difficult question to answer because a lot of the people that get involved in esports are very young um they are more excited by the prospect of being able to make a living, even if they don't have much insight into how long that living will last in in, <laughs> yeah. in competitive gaming. Um, there is there is very little help and advice for players that are flashing the pans. You know, you know, it's it's. I think that the one of the problems that I see in esports all the time is you you have players and content creators that have an a burst of success somewhere. And then they fall off, and then um, it, there is nothing for them. There's no, there's no support, no one there to catch them. They may have given up education, they may have given up work to get to that point, um, and then they are dropped because you know it's very, it's an entertainment industry at the end of the day, and it's the same across all entertainment industries. It's, it's that if you're not, if you're not the hot <laughs> anymore, you know, it's, 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 it's very difficult to, to continue. Um, yeah. I don't know if you guys remember there was, uh, there was, I watched this really interesting. And it's quite it's quite pertinent to this point. I watched this really interesting um, video produced by BBC um, uh-huh. on on a YouTuber called I think he was called Dax Flame, um, mm-hmm. something like that. He was a YouTuber that was about fourteen or fifteen, and he was on the platform thirteen years ago. And he was one of the biggest YouTubers on the platform thirteen years ago. Some of his videos reaching one to two million views. Um, mm-hmm. But obviously at that time, YouTube was not making money for anybody. And when you were a YouTube celebrity, it was, it was more for just like, uh, I guess, just for your own personal satisfaction more than anything. No one was making the kind of money that PewDiePie was making, for instance. <laughs> exactly, um, yeah. And, and, and they, they caught up with him 13 years later and he's working in a sushi restaurant as a waiter. You oh know, my goodness. He, he, he tried to go wow. on to he tried to go on to be an actor following his his YouTube success and just never never made it. And now he's 13 years later, no education, um, didn't go to college or anything like that, and he's working as a, a, rest, a waiter in a sushi restaurant. Which I'm not saying I'm not looking down on waiters and sushi yeah, restaurants, no. but it's more it's more it's more the, the the transition from you thought your life was made, you thought that you were hitting the big time, you were going to be you were going to be a, a hot you know a hot shot, and then. Now you're working in a sushi restaurant and your dreams are kind of crushed. And yeah. I think it's it's really difficult for people in our industry to accept that this is the, that this is not going to be it for everybody. There is there is mm-hmm. there is very little um, there is very little realism. I think for a lot of people, especially when you know talking to players and stuff, that, that actually like this is not supposed to. Not everybody makes it. 
not everybody not everybody becomes you know the next best thing in esports not everybody manages to make a full-time career i always always see twitter posts about people you know complaining that they're, they're not getting paid for events you know not, not, not that not that they weren't let me rephrase that. They're not that they were offered to pay in the first place. It was more that there was positions that were volunteer and people are saying, no, I want to be paid for this. But the problem is that not everybody has the capacity to, to get paid for stuff in esports. Not everybody has the capacity to make yeah. it full time. Um, and I think there's very little uh, discussion around what not, you know, the fact that not everybody can make it full time. This isn't going to be a full time gig for everybody. You need to have a backup plan. You you don't don't throw your life away to work in esports and gaming because it's just not worth it. It's the, like like the, the top two percent, one percent of people in our industry are able to make a full time living from this. For everybody else, it is a passion project and it will remain a passion project for the rest of their lives. Um, yeah. And I think there's a lot of people that aren't because of everybody talks about how big esports is. It's the billion dollar industry from 2019. Yet you know there it doesn't mean that you can just do like do something in esports and suddenly make it full time it just doesn't work like that um and people don't talk about it and, I, and be, i'm worried about what kind of impact that's going to have on a lot of people especially yeah. if the esports industry starts to shrink you know which i there's a lot of science to say it will yeah. you know what's like what impact is that going to have on people's mental health where they've given up so much to chase their dreams to just to have them fall flat in front of them that's that's my worry um and i think that there is not enough people being realistic about what you can and can't do in the esports industry and you know uh people are kind of trying to sell the esports dream when realistically it's 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 just not like that yeah no i i completely agree i think that and i think that you bring up a very good point in the fact of if esports is a passion for you and if you are either making some money or no money off of it as a passion um, or if you're even doing it full-time now is to have a backup plan is to understand that you might have to have another job on top of whatever you do esports related you know because that could be your passion and your hobby and what you really care about but um, with with how difficult it is to make it out there in the world than to even make a living a lot of the time with esports um it can't be the only thing a lot of the time <laughs> like you're gonna exactly. have to yeah. yeah like you know radio myself I mean, even even i have another job um you know yeah. I, I i work as a pr and um communication consultant for a games company in san francisco mm-hmm. uh so i i do pr and communications on the side uh, I, I've just applied and I'm probably going to take um, an offer to do a master's of business, master's of business administration at Warwick University in the UK. You know, I, oh, that's I, awesome. I am. Yeah, it's it's great, and it's, but it's nothing to do with esports. You know, I, yeah. I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm very well aware of the fact that the COVID especially has taught me that my my industry can fall flat on its face. Uh, mm-hmm. And I could have no work and I am not a big enough brand to be protected from that. So I need to find ways of, of, of continuing to make a living outside of esports. So, you know, and, and I'm, and I would consider myself fairly successful in the esports space. I've been able to do this for five years and make a really comfortable living from it. So I would consider myself yeah. successful if my, if, if I can, if I'm here making life backup plans, you know, <laughs> if, if you're playing for a, a, a collegiate team or a UK team or something for a, whatever game, um, you Think should have backup it. plans too. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. And I I agree. Like, you know, I I did uh, competitive gaming for a couple of years for Nintendo Switch. And now I'm doing this podcast, which is video game and esport focused. And I have a math degree and an MBA. So obviously, like this is not, you know, I have a full time job. I do a lot of other things this even that this is uh my passion and um it's yes it's very very difficult to make it out there so and i guess you you talk about it the fact that having your world shattered down like that is just going to be 
absolutely crushing for people and because you think when you're in the esport industry and when you're doing something like that that like what you're doing is so important and it's really awesome it's going to keep going like this or it's going to get better and it's going to take off and then to have it have the rug pulled out from under you uh, it's just going to be uh, I, like you know some people can't handle it and mm-hmm. it's just it's going to hurt um so what, what are some things that you think um that i mean i know we talked about what can be done to prevent that but on the mental side of things like what do you think you would tell people um that are in esports or have a a career in esports things that could help them maybe not experience that burnout go through that yeah i mean i'm very lucky in the sense that i've never suffered with depression uh, or anxiety i'm you know i i'm somehow very lucky to be spared of that in terms of the chemical imbalances in my brain. You know, I, I function on a, on a relative, relatively moderate wavelength, um, but I do have my down days. And I think it's important for people to realize that it is okay to feel down sometimes. It is okay to feel upset. It's okay to feel worried or anxious. Um, these are completely normal human emotions and, you, you know, we need to experience them at some point in our lives. Um, but I, I would thoroughly, thoroughly recommend the few, the few things that I have done to, to, to sort of keep myself focused and keep my, keep my mind completely with it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, ex- I exercise a lot. I go to the gym. I, exercise is one of the best ways to help protect your mental health, and it always will be. Um, mm-hmm. One of the things that has massively impacted my mental health in, in the sense that, you know, I, I, like I said, I don't, I've never suffered from clinical depression, but I obviously have my down days, and I, I do get, you know, a bit, a bit over, snowed under sometimes. Um, it's been changing my diet. Um, one of the things that, that a lot of um, gamers suffer with is very poor diets. And there mm-hmm. has been some yeah. extremely, extremely convincing studies put out recently about the link between gut bacteria and and the mental health. Um, mm-hmm. And it's something that I take very seriously. Uh, I also found out in December I had celiac disease. So cool. it's um, something wow. that basically completely forced me to change my diet. And I <laughs> exactly. found that once I, once I cut out gluten, my, my mental health got... 10 times better um i was no longer feeling lethargic and tired i was no longer um and 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 with that i also went mostly vegetarian so i i don't eat much meat anymore partly for environmental reasons but also partly because most vegetarian meals are also quite gluten safe as well exactly Um, so and i've also found that that has massively impacted the way i feel about um things on a general basis my energy levels and all that kind of stuff so you know I, i think for for any gamer or any kind of person working in, in the freelance isolated home industry, you know, it's really important to balance, you know, your gaming and and life with being able to get out there and feel physically active. You know, I, I think that's really important. I think you should definitely look after your diet. You should definitely, definitely um, try to eat as, 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 as best as you possibly can. It's, it's something that's hugely, hugely changed the way I feel on a day to day basis. Um, that. That's actually, I mean, that's a fascinating point because we have certainly talked about the fact that um, like taking care of yourself um, mentally, we talked about that quite a bit in terms of, you know, outside of your your uh, gaming career or competitive career, um, take care of yourself, right? You want to make sure that like, if you're not taking care of yourself, um, doesn't matter, you're going to experience burnout, you're going to fade away. And, and even if you're putting your all towards like a game or something, it, it, that's not healthy for you. But I think that the point of, of diet and exercise, that's actually really interesting. So I don't think we've brought that up before that. And I totally agree. There's a lot of studies um, that I have read myself on, on just proper eating, um, dieting, getting out there and, and just exploring the world, exercising, even walking like it, getting out there will drastically okay. can definitely change your, your outlook and make you feel a lot better. <laughs> and um, I really think that's a fascinating uh, approach that we haven't really talked about on the show before. 
Well, I you know I, I I go outside and I instantly you know I walk around for half an hour with some dogs and I feel instantly better about you know just being outside and you know it's it's something that, uh, that a lot of people really undervalue how much it can impact how you feel. But it has it has completely changed my life. The sleep, the sleep schedule, the diet, um, and and the exercise has completely changed the way I feel. Um, you know, I I, I think. At university, it was at my worst. So at the end of medical school, I was at my absolute worst. Um, yeah. You know, I, I definitely was struggling with, with the fact of I didn't want to become a doctor. I didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life. Um, there was a point where I was at a, sort of the these doctor's digs in a, I guess, I don't know if, you, if Americans know what that means, um, like no. doctor's accommodation. Um, okay. Uh, basically at university and my wife had to come pick me up because I decided to drink way too much and got too drunk and couldn't go to, to my shift the next day. Um, I was just in a bad place at that point and, and that was all because my diet was terrible. My sleep schedule was terrible um, and I wasn't really talking about how I felt uh, with my family or anybody about not wanting to become a doctor and that was actually the first time that I opened up to my family about not wanting to be a doctor and uh, mm-hmm. just even talking about it was massively impactful for me. Um, and then, you know, and ever since then, my diet didn't get better immediately. My exercise didn't get better immediately, but it, it took me until my mid twenties to realize those are the kind of things that you need to, to focus on. And then it took me until just last year to change out of, out of a gluten-based diet to really see the impact that it could have, um, on, on the day-to-day feelings that I have. So yeah, I, I think those kind of things are, are really important. You're seeing esports teams themselves realize that too. You know, you've got esports teams, um, you've got esports teams, um, hiring full-time chefs. You've got esports teams. Uh, with with uh, clinical psychologists, uh, mm-hmm. you've got esports teams that have complete gym regimen uh, regimes for their their players. It, it, it is things that these things are being hugely hugely considered um, for the long term mental health, but also the long term career um, longevity of of, of the, a lot of the players on these these esports teams. So yeah, it's, it is something that is being taken more seriously across our industry now. Yeah. Well, that's great. And I think um, that's pretty fantastic advice for everyone listening that take take care of yourself, exercise with COVID-19. It might be a little more difficult to get out there, but hey, you can still do a plethora of exercises at your home. <laughs> um, stretches, get fresh air when you can and um, just take just try to take care of yourself before you know, your, your, your job or anything else, you got to make sure that maintaining, um, a good mental state and everything else. Um, so Excandro, thank you. I really appreciate you sharing that with us. Well, I think, uh, on that note, um, Excandro, we're, as we conclude our episode, uh, let people know where they can find you and, um, you know, feel free to give any shout outs that you want to the listeners. Sure. Yeah. Uh, thanks for having me. By the way, it's been it's been really nice to chat about things that I don't usually get the opportunity to talk oh, about. Yeah, so definitely. I've had a I've had a really nice time kind of talking about these things. It's been fantastic. Um, if you want to find me, it's just Excoundrel on all social media. You can pretty much type Excoundrel into any social media platform <laughs> and you'll find me. Um, okay. That's uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, even, um, and obviously my YouTube channel is just Excoundrel as well. So um, if you guys want to come and check out mobile gaming content, I create a lot. Uh, pretty much publish every single day. I'm trying to move into a more broad spectrum of mobile gaming content. So hopefully you'll see some differentiation from me over the course of the next few uh, weeks. But yeah, I mean, that's that's it really. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Thank you so much for being on our show. Our next episode, again, you can follow us on Twitter at Wholesome FM. We're streaming platforms for podcasting. Um, we have a lot of more fantastic episodes planned for this season. So we will see you in the next one. Bye, guys. Wholesome Transmissions is hosted by me, Pineapple Freak, and Radio. Our editors are Radio Myself, and our producer is Radio. 
Music used on this episode is provided courtesy of Scrimps, and our logo is designed by Grifficult. Special thanks to Excoundrel for coming on today's episode. We really appreciate your time, and thanks for the great conversation. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. C.S. Lewis. <laughs>